You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Well, this morning, I would like to encourage us all by telling us that I think that we are all getting into a rut. Now, how, that's a very confusing start, isn't it? Yeah. So how is getting into a rut encouraging? Well, you might ask, what rut is that? And uh, I just realized that rut and root are of the same root. Or um, rut and rout, if you're American, are of the same root. And uh, what road are we going down that uh, that I'm talking about today? It's a road that I want to encourage us to continue going down. It's a rut that I want to encourage us not to get out of. And that rut is that we are becoming, and we are, a friendly, outgoing church. And what I would love to happen is that we would have a deeper rut. A rut that we could not get out of, even if we tried. I want us to be continuing to be outgoing and friendly, not only towards the people who come for the first time, but the people who come day, uh, week in and week out for maybe 10, 20 years. Do you know that on the 15th of March next year, we'll be celebrating 30 years as a church, 30 years anniversary. I was over at Wall Prentice's a few weeks ago, and he showed me the first ever um, order of service for Eltham, Eltham Baptist Church. I've got it on my phone. Someday I'll show it to you. And uh, it was um, just so amazing to see that piece of paper and how things have changed, you know. It was a hymn sheet. (laughs) I don't want to um, congratulate us this morning in a back-slapping kind of a way, but I want to affirm us all because something good is happening. And... We're all playing a part in that. It's a God-glorifying thing that's happening. It's not something that happens by accident, but it's time for affirmation. And thank you. God bless each one of you. And as you give and as you receive from this warmth. However, to say that we are perfect in it would be arrogant and wrong. We're not there yet. I want to cast my mind back to my first Sunday in EBC. Perhaps for one or two of you today, it's your first Sunday in EBC, but um, 10 years ago was my first Sunday in EBC. I think it was November 2006, and uh, I walked in. uh, There weren't too many people there. It was an evening service, not like now. Um, I didn't, I wasn't completely unknown because I knew Brent Grimes, I worked with him, and I also knew the Hunt kids. Uh, Other than that, I didn't know very many people. But there was one smiling face that I'll never forget. And he came up to me and started to chat with me. And very often he'll recall that chat. That was Jeff Barkley. (laughs) You're not surprised, are you? (laughs) Jeff came up to me and uh, made me feel welcome. Um, Very, very welcome to Eltham Church. And he has done that week in and week out from the time we began to come solidly to Eltham. And not only does he do it, but Carmel does it as well. And for for us as a family, Jeff and Carmel are as close a thing to family without being family that you can possibly get. And we've been singing about family today. Now, it's a beautiful song, David, from Bethel, I believe. Um, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And in it, it says... um, 
We're born into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. And uh, in many, many ways, ABC is a family. We're all of the same blood. There's no races in here. We're all children of God. If we're following Jesus and love him as Lord and Savior, we're all of the same family. And I would, I would venture to say that my experience in ABC is not unique. That um, many who have come here um, have found the same warmth and have returned. And I would say also, rarely does anyone get out of here without being spoken to by one person, and mostly more than one person. And it's so good to be part of a culture that's warm like this. Um, it's actually the outworking of Christ's love in us, really. It's not something that is uh, totally human in or origin. It is something that flows from the love of Christ that flows through us. If it wasn't like that, we would be like Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we'd be like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Just a load of noise and nothing else. But that's not what's happening because of Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, Stuart asked me if I would speak on this subject of being a warm and friendly church. Not to come and say, you're not a warm and friendly church, you must be. But rather to say, keep on going. Let's do even better. And uh, I'm taking this talk from um, an outline by a man called Carl Vatters. He was, um, he was on one of those um, thing, email things that I get almost every day. And it stuck out to me, um, his outline of becoming a friendly church. I showed it to Stuart, I showed it to the whole team, and they thought we should have a go on that. So I'm basing my outline on what he said. So what I'm saying is not original, and I'll give him credit. Carl Vatters is his name. However, I want to ask this question. Would it be a good thing if we missed one person? Would it be okay if we just missed one? Just, just say, like, say we get 9 out of 10. Would that be a good result? Okay, imagine you're the one missed. Would that be a good result? Imagine going out of here as though you hadn't been noticed, as though you'd never come, as though you were the invisible person. Imagine that. And, and I would say it could be possible, it could be possible that someone would come here of a Sunday and be missed. Not because it's our default position to miss people, but because we're human. And we could be on an off day, couldn't we? Say all of us are on an off day at once, that would be bad. <laughs> it's not likely to happen, and I pray that it doesn't happen. But, you know, it's not acceptable to miss one person. The Good Shepherd did not allow one sheep go missing, did he? He left the 99 and he went after the one. And I want to encourage us to even step up that roving eye. You know, in a good sense, you know that roving eye that goes around and says, who's new today? Who's lonely today? Who's looking sad today? Who could do with a friendly chat? Cast that eye around and have a look and see. Now, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, until I come, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So in the light of that, let us read a few Scriptures. And I'll read them slowly. They pertain to the subject. Let us meditate on them. And let those Scriptures speak out today. The first Scripture is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 through to 19 powerful piece of scripture. 
It says this, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. We can especially think of that verse in the light of the refugees who may and we trust are coming to Eltham. Leviticus 19.33 when, when an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native-born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Third John 3, 1-5 Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Luke ten twenty seven. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Hebrews 13, 1. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Romans 12:13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Amen. It's wonderful scriptures to encourage us to look after the alien, the stranger. And then there are all the one another scriptures. Be kindly affectionate one to another and many others. But a friendly church is not an automatic thing. Effort is needed. And Carl Vatters makes this observation. He said, It's often easier to find a church that preaches the Bible, has good worship, and offers excellent child care than it is to find a church where we can make genuine, lasting friendships. It's an interesting observation.
No church is automatically friendly, especially not to outsiders, and especially not in this day and age of Western individualism. And uh, especially when we come from so many different suburbs, there's people here as they look around from um, Diamond Creek, Wattle Glen, Rosanna, um, even further away over maybe Mitcham, places like that. And we don't see each other during the week. We're not like the old village where you go down to the butcher shop and there's uh, two or three elders standing chatting, maybe the elders of the butcher, um, something like that. We are so dispersed now, we don't see each other. And it's very often we don't have a chance. Oh, there's a, another EBC, a very friendly EBC there in England. <laughs> Maybe we can have a group photograph someday and put it up on the website. Uh, the Lord gifted me recently with a very uh, enlightening experience. I don't know if you've ever felt unnoticed. Anybody in here felt unnoticed and unimportant in a crowd? Okay, yeah, 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 okay. I think you all have. And um, the Lord gifted me with that experience recently. I remember as, as a younger person feeling it more, um, and then, but I think um, as time went by, I didn't feel it so much. But um, I had that experience recently. I went to a church, um, it was a church, and um, I felt as though I was tolerated. That was okay, I was tolerated. But I felt almost like I wasn't noticed. And I thought to myself, this is good, you know, this is good for me to feel this. Um, it'll help me communicate some things. I looked around and there were groups of people chatting warmly to each other. Uh, and afterwards there was I standing against the wall. And um, watching it all, you know, watching it all. Not being particularly hurt because it wasn't going to make a huge difference to me. I wasn't going back there. I just wanted to process it all, what was happening. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, if I were to sit down and process all this, I wouldn't be in a hurry back to this particular church. Why was that? Well, because I didn't receive any fellowship. I didn't receive any of that input that I'm used to. And I wouldn't be hurrying back. That might be a wrong and selfish decision on my part, but that's what I felt. And I was wondering if you've ever felt like that too. Maybe you felt like that back in school for certain things, maybe in another church, but I trust that you haven't felt like that here. And if you have, come and talk to us. You see, friendly churches are no mistake. They don't happen by mistake. They're actually deliberately made. The encouragement and the warmth that you feel, very often that's a deliberate act on the part of the church. And here in EBC, we've taken deliberate steps to promote that warmth by even going and hiring people to look after integration. They've come and they, they oversee friendliness, in a sense. They oversee it, but they don't take it over. There's a difference. They oversee friendliness, but they don't take it over. If they were to take it over, then everybody else would be redundant, wouldn't they? Don't forget to be friendly. And don't ever leave it to Gudrun or Andrea or Carolyn or Jonathan, or whoever else is regularly on the welcoming team. Because they're just like figureheads of the whole friendliness thing. And they're the upfront people, but don't leave it to them. The queen is the head of the government, but imagine she did all the administration of the government. 
She just gets other people to do it. And Gudrun will be getting other, all of us to do it as well. Friendly churches don't just happen. We have to be deliberately keeping out an eye for people every single week. And as I said before, keep, commit to that roving eye, that eye that looks around without uh, gawking, as we say in Northern Ireland. I don't know what you say here. Gaping or gawking or staring. Discreetly have a little look. Yeah. Yeah. What can cause a church to be unfriendly? I just got a couple of things here. Um, we can come to church with the primary motive of receiving. We can come with our bowl and expect to be fed. And you know, there's nothing wrong with coming to church with a bowl and expecting to be fed. I think that's a good expectation, isn't it? Imagine coming to church week after week after week and thinking, I don't think I'm going to get anything out of this. I don't think you would be coming for long, would you? But where it goes wrong is that that is our only motivation sometimes for coming to church. If that is our only motivation to come to receive, then there's something out of balance, something not working. We come to church primarily to give to God glory and praise and worship and adoration for all that he's done, for all that he is. And secondly, we come to receive from him. But also, maybe on a power, maybe thirdly, we come to give to others. A welcome smile, a kind word. Maybe serve in one of the teams that are necessary for this service to take place. Um, before we all came here today, there was a worship team here from probably 7.30 in the morning. Am I more or less right? 7.30 in the morning, they're in here and they're practicing and they're praying and preparing for this service. Then there's the morning service support team that come with all the tea and coffee, uh, getting ready for that. They're here too. And then, of course, during the week, the ministry team have been preparing. Um, the cleaning has gone on and... Maybe somebody has come to do some maintenance or something like that. All these people have come to give. And uh, it's not just happening by itself. They've come to give. But here this morning, we come to give glory to God. We come to receive spiritual food. And we come to give to others. So have a little quick personal inventory there and see if all those three are in place this morning. And hopefully, by the time you rise from your seat to leave, all those three things will be in place and you'll be ready to give to someone, even if it hadn't crossed your mind this morning. Now it has crossed your mind. Um, it's been forced to cross your mind unless you're sleeping. So that is one reason why a church could be unfriendly. And by the way, I'm not saying this church is unfriendly at all. This is one of the most friendly churches I've ever had the privilege of being part of. And uh, we give God the glory for that. There's another reason why um, a church could be unfriendly. And that is because there, on the part of many, there would be no intentionality about being friendly. Um, even in church, it takes effort to go up to someone and greet a person. And uh, I think um, Sunday for many is a day of rest. And for some personality types, to go up to greet someone would feel like a day's work. You would probably go home exhausted but maybe feeling good that you actually did it. Um, that is possible. However, 
In this setting, we do have an advantage over other settings because most people come to church for a spiritual reason. They come, even as I said earlier, to receive something from God, to worship God. So there we have a big common denominator, which will be easier to have a conversation opener than if you were in some other setting. We could be struggling for a long time to find a conversation opener. But there needs to be intentionality in our uh, reaching out to people. And so in some circles, there is none of that. I remember going to a church in the U.S. Uh, Andre and I were heading back to Brazil. I think it must have been 1995. And uh, we were in Clearwater in Florida looking for church. So we decided to go to a church which will remain nameless. We walked in and we did really feel like the proverbial invisible people. Uh, not noticed at all. We were just one of a number. We could see all these things going on that I... Uh, People, families talking over here, little groups over here, but we weren't there. For them, we weren't there. And uh, that, was, that wasn't good. That wasn't a good experience. And uh, I'm so glad it's not like that here. What's happening here in this church is that we're getting a little bit tight on space. And uh, as we look around today, with the kids gone, um, there's still very few spaces. And uh, we're getting crushed and conventional wisdom would tell us that we're going to stagnate, our growth is going to stop because there aren't any more seats left. Well, let's adopt the old Filipino habit of um, the jeepney mentality. How many people have been to, in a jeepney in the Philippines? Yeah. The motto is, there's always room for one more. Um, yeah. Imagine that happening in Melbourne. <laughs> Yeah, the poor little jeepney. That's not even a big jeepney. Um, perhaps we will have to do that for a little while. So um, remember, there's always room for one more. Now, as I was saying earlier, I took this outline from uh, a, an article by a man called Carl Waters. And uh, the first thing he says here, um, I don't know whether they invented this anagram, or discovered it somewhere else, but they use it in their church to great effect. It's called the gift. Give someone a gift, they say. G is for greet, I is for introduce, F is for follow up, and T is for thank. And hopefully we can remember that short thing. Every week they encourage their church members to do this, and uh, it's really paid off for them. What if the minimum, what if this became the minimum for us all? I could imagine a scenario in Eltham Baptist where people would run out the door, new people, don't ever go to Eltham Baptist, you get over-greeted. <laughs> Imagine that. For some people, that would be a possibility, and it might be bad. Use your discernment. Don't over-greet. <laughs> okay. Don't over-greet. You, ha you have to be aware of who's greeting, you know? So that's double awareness now. So you have to be aware of the people who are coming in, and you have to be aware of the people who are greeting, so that five times would be maybe enough, would it? <laughs> um, I don't think there's any danger of over-greeting people. Um, greet someone you've never met before. That doesn't just mean the new people. You see, we could be in this church for years and years and still not know that person over there. We know their face, but we have no idea who they are. Do you think that could happen in EBC? It happens. It happens a lot. And uh, it really, really surprises me um, how that happens. Because I come from a village, right? 6,000 people. 
and I knew every single house in the village almost, and every family. If I saw a face, I could connect it with a family. So the village mentality coming into a big city, um, I have to learn that everybody is not, was not reared in a village. Um, it is possible to know everyone in here. Do you know that? Maybe 250 people. It is possible to know everyone. Do you believe it? Even, not convinced. It is possible. On the ship, um, my job was um, a personnel director, and there were 400 crew. And uh, they chopped and changed all the time. And I had to know everybody. It's possible. It really is possible. So today, everybody, find one person you've never, ever spoken to and say hello. How would that do? That, is that out of the old comfort zone? Triple eh? zero CZ, out of the old comfort zone. <laughs> it might be, but, you know, it'll be worth it. See if you can do that. You know, we're, as pastors, we know that there is such a thing as the introversion, extroversion spectrum. And that we're all on that spectrum somewhere. And uh, there are extreme introverts and there are extreme extroverts. But the most of us are in the middle somewhere there. And uh, we know this in EBC because our boss always does tests on us. <laughs> yeah. Nearly every time there's a staff retreat, we get a test done on us to find out if we're an extrovert or an introvert. And you know what? It hasn't been able to change any of us. <laughs> you know, we go up a little bit or down a little bit on the extroversion, introversion scale. But generally speaking, we stay about the same place. And most of us, I reckon, in here are in the central band. So that should make it possible to say hello. I have one daughter um, who was a little bit shy, and I used to go and say to her, Rachel, if you should see a human being, you should say hello. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. Um, and she, should, she used to laugh a lot at that. Um, it's very, very possible to say hello. And that's the vast majority of us. I was going to ask, um, do, you, do you want to hear a really, truly rhetorical question? Okay, right. Every one of you in here who is an extreme introvert, please put your hand up. <laughs> Don't all rush at once. You spoiled my joke, Ron. <laughs> okay, that's G. Greet someone you've never met before. It means so much to people who have been greeted. And we hear stories all the time of people who go away saying, I was very well treated and I was very, meant to feel very welcome. Okay, the second letter is follow up on someone. F, uh, sorry, that's not the second letter. <laughs> the second letter is I. Introduce people to each other. Introduce people to each other. That is a, a very, very important thing. Now, who would you introduce someone to? Well, if you happen to meet someone with a small ch child, you might like to introduce that person to Sue Foster or um, who's the other ones? Um, <laughs> Beck, where's Beck down there? Yeah, I've drawn a blank. I know them all. Alison and uh, 
Mrs. Martin, I forgot her first name. Jess, Jess, that's right. Yeah, there we go. You might like to do that. And Diane and Louisa. Or if the person has an older child, you might like to go to Blair or Amy and say, look, this is a youth leader. Not Amy, sorry, Jade. Um, Amy was before. Um, or if it was a young adult, direct them to Matthew or some of the other young adults. So that's the sort of thing you might like to do. Or if you know that somebody has something in common, for, like four-wheel driving, they like cutting down trees or something like that, um, you could redirect them to somebody else who shall remain nameless. Um, that's the idea. Introduce someone to someone else so that they may um, get to know more of the church. Then F is to follow up on someone you met recently. So you met someone last week or a fortnight ago. Go over and say hello again and call them by name. And hopefully you will have remembered the name. <laughs> you know, there are a few little tricks that you can use to remember names. And the first thing is when you hear someone's name, uh, you go up and say, hello, my name is Sam. Um, and you shake your hand and then they'll hopefully say their name is John or something like that. Then you say, John, is it? You're very welcome. So repeat the name again. Very welcome, John. And uh, you will have reinforced in your mind the name. Then if you forget, as we all do, we're all humans. We can't hold all these names. If you really truly forget, there's another little key that might help you. And it's the alphabet. Start going through the alphabet. <laughs> How many of you do that? Is it A? Is it a B? Is it a C? Yeah, I do that all the time. But usually works. And it might not work while you're there. But um, it usually works. And then there's another way. Write down the name immediately on your phone once the person leaves. As soon as you meet them, write down the name on the phone and hopefully you'll remember them. So follow-up is really, really important. So I know a whole lot of us will say, oh, I'm hopeless with names, but there are a few tricks that we can use. And then fourth, thank someone. Now this doesn't uh, usually apply to newcomers except thanking them for coming. But as I said already, there are many, many teams that operate to get this service going, to get the church, or to keep the church going, not just on a Sunday, but also during the week. There are home groups and everything else. What about thanking someone today? Maybe the worship group. Maybe they can feel a little bit on notice sometimes, um, even though they're standing up at the front here. We can be so caught up in the worship ourselves that we forget that they're leading us. Might be good to thank them. Might be good to thank the people who are providing tea. Sunday school teachers, the good old Sunday school teachers, even though they're not that old, um, they're there every Sunday teaching our children, encouraging them to read the Bible, encouraging them to follow Jesus. Give them a word of thanks. And this is not to fill up a thanks deficit, by the way. It's actually to glorify God and to give honor where honor is due. And... Uh, so cultivate that friendliness. Because sometimes people can get weary in well-doing. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he encourages us not to become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And he wouldn't say that if it wasn't possible to become weary in well-doing. It is very possible. So encourage those who are laboring in the church, because next week it might be you who are laboring, uh, doing the tea or doing whatever job you're given. So we're nearly there. Just uh, um, like to recap, 
So I'll say the letter, um, and then you can say what it is. G is for? Exactly. Okay. Just to, to, for a lack of confusion, um, say the whole line, please. I, okay, we can start again, Ollie. Right, okay. Great. Uh, oh, sorry. G. Yeah. Okay, sorry. G is for? Brilliant. I is for? F is for? And T is for? Brilliant. It's going to be brilliant today afterwards. <laughs> and um, then there's a fifth letter, and it's the letter A, but it doesn't fit into gift anywhere. So maybe we can put it at the beginning and say a gift. And the, the fifth one is accountability. Carl Vader says this is an essential fifth step to putting this gift idea into motion. Um, it's important that we regroup and we have somewhere where we can ask each other the question, who did you gift today? or this week. And that could happen in our growth groups, or it happens actually every Monday in our team. Back in the office, we didn't know about this idea really, but we were kind of doing it anyway. Um, we would sit around the table, and we do sit around the table, and we talk about everyone who has come. We talk about notable absence, absences. We talk about those who are sick and all the rest of it. Those we met, those we greeted. And um, sometimes we hold each other to accountable, and we uh, give a little bit of banter. What do you mean you didn't get their name? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's a very, very good exercise. And what happens is uh, we compare notes, and someone says, oh, yeah, I met her too. She told me she wants to help with the playgroups. Here's her email. And so Andrea gets some information that she didn't otherwise have. And those kind of things happen. So perhaps in your home groups, um, you can chat about who's new and how it encouraged them and how it encouraged you. And I want to ask, can we further develop this friendly lifestyle, not only in the church, but outside the church? If it's, if it's kind of hard in the church, it's got to be doubly hard out there in the world. And uh, we all have our workplace. We have our recre recreational spaces. Um, we will have refugees soon coming to Eltham, God, God willing. And uh, these are all opportunities for us to translate that plan out into the world outside. And hopefully, as a result, see more and more people want the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we can do it in our small groups too. Perhaps, um, you know, there's only a dozen of you, but is there anyone in particular who's very quiet, just sits there, isn't really um, entering in? Perhaps you can look after them in a similar way. Um, Carl Vader says that since starting the gift idea in our church, members have, become, have come more out of their shell, opened their hearts a little wider, and met some great friends along the way. And I believe that will happen if we do that. Just, just begin. Just begin today if you haven't already been doing it. And I know that, to be honest, most people are doing some form of this already. And I commend you for that. And may the Lord bless you for that. Let's continue to look out for the lonely, for the hurting, for the new person, for the older person, for the tiny person, for the marginalized in whatever way, and see how we can bless them.
What would happen if everyone in EBC decided to do even one of those things every Sunday? I think it would step things up. I think it would raise the bar, wouldn't it, even a little more. And I think greater blessing would come. Let's become the friendliest church possible on the face of the earth. And yet, in our quest to become the friendliest church, don't compromise on certain things. We will not sacrifice truth in order to become a friend of someone who requires us to do so. We will maintain the truth of God's Word. And I think they'll, they'll be blessed, actually, by that. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That implies that it's actually not possible to live at peace with everyone. But let's continue to love them and uh, welcome them here and reach out to them for God's glory. Who is all this for anyway? It's for the glory of God. Friendliness isn't the goal here. Friendliness is the first step in friendship, but even friendship is not the goal. The glory of God is the goal. And it's also for us, because each one of us will be blessed as we reach out to others. And the new people, the marginalized, the lonely, they also will be blessed. So let's become uh, aware of this idea. It's only a little idea that gives a handle on what we're already doing. Let's step it up and give God the glory and see what happens um, I, there'll be no spaces, I reckon, after a while. May the Lord bless each one of us as we do this. God bless you. Oh, yeah, I'll pray. Lord, as we come to the end of our service this morning, we thank you that you are the guest at the head of the table. We thank you that you are the one that we adore above all others. Thank you that you're present, that you're in our hearts. And we do pray that everyone who doesn't know you in here today, everyone who's searching for you will be able to find you. May there be evidence of you in each one of us as we interact. And we pray, Lord, for others who have come here today looking for um, maybe help in another area and they didn't receive it this morning. May they still not leave this place without receiving help in the area that they need it. We pray that through our interactions all over these grounds, that counseling will go on, that edification will go on, that people will be built up in their most holy faith, that problems that are huge and looming right now will shrink and disappear through prayer, through Scripture, and through the fellowship of human beings and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.